So uh, today we're going to be in Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. We're going to be looking at the transfiguration of Christ. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, that would be great. And uh, I want you guys to think back, maybe for some of you it'll be a little bit farther than others, but think back to the time when you started dating, all right? So you found this person that you just thought was simply amazing, and you had to be around them. You had to get to know them. You have, you have to be with them, right? And so you begin to shape yourself. You begin to focus on that person and what type of person they were. You, you looked at their attributes like, all right, so this person's athletic. They like, to, they like to play sports. Or this person's more artistic, so maybe they, they paint, they, they play music, whatever. And so you, you begin to realize what they find to be important, right? Well, when that happens, I found that if you really love somebody, you begin to look a lot like them, right? So maybe, maybe you're not the artistic type, but you get out the paint can and you start doing some finger paintings, stick figures. That's what I'd have to do because I can't paint. But maybe, maybe you're not the athletic type and you decide, hey, I'm, I'm going to go to the gym and, and try a few push-ups, and maybe you get one. Like, I, I understand, like, sometimes we focus on these things, and it moves us past our comfort, but why do we do it? We do it because we really like this person, and we want them to like us, so we think that we have to be like them, right? Well, today, we're going to look at three disciples who really, really, really wanted to be like somebody. They, they really saw this one person, and they're like, I want to be like this. But different than, it's different than when you found that one person that you want to date and be like, because this is the person that we should all focus and try to be like. And so we're going to read Luke 9, 28 through 36, and we're going to look at the, the glory of Christ his transfiguration, and the lasting effects that it has on us and that it had on the disciples. So if you're with me, go ahead and read. And it says, Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter, John, and James, and went up to the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke, with, spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with them. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said, not knowing what he had said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent and told no one, of the, uh, in, the, told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. So the, the sayings that we just came out of last week is Jesus talking to everyone saying take up your cross follow me what does it profit a man to gain the whole world if he loses his soul and now they're going up onto this mountain 
And in verse 28, we see that Jesus took with him Peter, John, and James to go pray. Well, while Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. I'm not going to lie. If my clothes would become dazzling white by praying, I would never wash another load of laundry. Like, I would just pray all the time. And so then we see in verse, 20, in verse 30 that two men appeared talking to Jesus. They were Moses and Elijah. And they came to speak with him about his departure, about his exodus of this world, about his leaving this place to go to his, his glorious throne. And then we see in verse 32 that Peter, John, and James were much like I would be after a very long time in prayer, right? They were sleepy. Now, in here, I'm sure every one of you can understand because the temperature's warm. When you get warm, you get really sleepy. And so it's going to be like this today. I hope you guys don't fall asleep, but it's really easy to just nod off when you're praying, right? So that's what happened to these guys. They were, they were falling asleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw the glory. They saw his glory, Jesus' glory, and the two men who stood with him. And as the, as the men were parting, Peter spoke up. He had something to say. And he said, Master, it is good that we are here with you. And he said, let us make a tent for each one of you, one for you, Jesus, one for you, Moses, and one for Elijah. And so he didn't really understand what he was saying, and we'll get into that. But then in verse 34, as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. So we just imagine we're in here. We, we see Jesus, and then boom, there's this really big cloud everywhere. Like, it would, it would be really weird to me and spooky, and it was to them because they were afraid. And then a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. This is God speaking. And when, they had, when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent and told no one in those days of anything at what they had seen. So there's, there's a lot going on here. But what, what's happening is Christ is being transfigured into his glorious nature. He is being made into the, the glorious being that he is, like he's transforming that. And it's, it's really interesting because we see three things, three aspects of the disciples' life and of our life that Christ transformed through his glorious nature. And so we're going to look today at how the glory of Christ transforms our vision, how the glory of Christ transforms our position, and how the glory of Christ transforms our view of authority. And so the first one we're going to look at is the glory of Christ transforms our vision. And that's in, we're going to look at that in verse 32. It says, Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they had become fully awake, they saw his glory in the two men who stood with them. So very interesting to me that the, the glory of Christ woke these men up. You see... They had been asleep, they had been droggy from their prayer, but when, the, when, Christ, when Christ had been given his glorious nature, they woke up, right? And so their, their vision was made clear. 
they, they begin to see Jesus for who he was. They begin to see his glorious nature, his glorious being. And so I begin to think about like the way I wake up and the way my vision is when I wake up. And I have contacts. So when I wake up in the morning, I can't see much at all. I, I have okay vision, but my contacts make it where it's better. But in the morning, I wake up and I'm like, I have to focus. But then I go put my contacts in, right? And then I'm like, oh, I can see all my toes. I can see all the dirt under my toes. And so then I'm able to have a clear vision to know what I need to do, right? And so these men, they had been sleeping in prayer. And then when the glory of Christ was upon him, they woke up. And they saw the events that were occurring. They saw that Elijah and Moses had come to speak with Jesus. And so I began to think about vision. How does, how does the glory of Christ affect our vision? And I began to think first, actually, how does it affect our vision as a church? You see, as a body of Christ, as the church, as the gathering, we have a vision, right? If you're on the Wi-Fi right now, you know our vision. It's near, near God, near man. Then we got the third part, making disciples, right? So Christ has given us a vision as to what we're supposed to do, but he's made that vision clear through the glory of Christ. The glory of Christ has changed the way that we lived. He's changed the way that we look at other people. He's changed the way that we look at God, and he's made our vision clear to see how we are supposed to go out and live. We're supposed to be near God. We're supposed to be in relationship with him. Our vision is supposed to be set and focused on him. Then we're supposed to be near man. We're supposed to have that clear vision of those who we're supposed to share with the gospel and those who we're supposed to love and show mercy to. And then we're supposed to make disciples as scripture tells us in Matthew 28. You see, we've got that, we've got to have that clear vision, that clear purpose. And then I begin to think, well, how does how does it affect me personally? How do, how do I have attain that clear vision? How does the glory of Christ transform my vision? And I'm not going to lie. The first thing that popped into my head, and it sounds ridiculous, was this drunken stupor thought. So like, I looked up the definition of stupor, and it means to be unconscious, insensitive, and I begin to think of people who have a drunken stupor. They have no idea what's going on. They're unconscious to the world. And so, and it's really weird that that was the first thought that popped in my head. But then Christ, is, like God spoke to me and said, look, you're in a Christian stupor. Like, when are you going to wake up and allow my glory to wake you up from your Christian stupor? Like, I realized that I had failed. My vision, the vision that God has transformed in me, had, had lost its zeal, had lost its fervency, and I was, not being, I was not being zealous for God. I'd fallen into this Christian stupor where I was unconscious of what I was doing. I was unconscious of what I was focused on. It's like I go to work every day at the church, and I help tear apart a building. Do I ever share the gospel with people? Am I ever sharing the glory of Christ with anyone is the glory of Christ ever transforming my vision so that I can see and share the glory of Christ with someone else? That, that's where God hit me. Because 
it was like a slap in the face. I need to be awoken from, I need to be woken up from my Christian stupor like, like these disciples were woken up from their prayer. And I need to be focused with the vision that's been transformed to see the glory of Christ so that I can share the glory of Christ with others. And so when I was thinking about this, I realized that where your vision is, is where you go. So if my vision is not transformed by the glory of Christ, my position will not be transformed either. You see, when you're doing any type of martial arts and you have little kids, the one thing they tell the kids is if you're going to be, like if somebody's attacking you, gouge the eyes, push the eyes away, try to make them lose the vision of what they're trying to get, right? And so you realize that where the head goes, the body goes too. And so I, I began to think about this, and I was like, well, if it works like this in our physical life, how much more does it work in our spiritual life? If our vision isn't focused on Christ and his glory, how much more so is our, is our position, the way we're moving, how much more is it not focused on where it was supposed to be, right? And so this is the second point that I saw from, the second effect that I saw from Christ's transfiguration was that the glory of Christ transforms our position. And in verse 33, it says, As the men were parting from him, that's Moses and Elijah, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Then not knowing what he said, we see verse 34, and it says, And as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. So these men, Peter, John, James, their vision had been transformed. They saw the glorious being of Jesus Christ. And immediately, it's like Peter had that moment, like you have with like, the girlfriend, the boyfriend that you're dating. Like when you, do, when you have a good moment, you just want to stay in it, right? So you, you, go, you go skating, you go bowling, whatever it is, and you're like, man, this is amazing. Maybe you're just watching TV, and it's like, I want this moment to last forever. And so it's like, yeah, we should go eat supper, but no, 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 let's stay here. Uh, we need to go do this. No, I, I don't want to do that. Let's just hang out here. Like, you want to stay in that moment. And I feel like Peter had that moment. He, he saw the glorious nature of Jesus. He, his vision had been made clear, had been transformed. And he was like, Jesus, it's great that we were here. Let us build a tent for you, for Moses, for Elijah, and let us just relish in this moment. Let us enjoy this moment. But you see, Christ and God had different plans for them. And so it was, Christ and God, they didn't plan for us and these disciples to stay in that mountain, to stay on the high tops. We experience these different positions, these different places we have to go. And God leads us to them. And in verse 34, we see that the cloud came and overshadowed them. So this cloud has really just thrown me off because when does a cloud form? Uh, like, when does a cloud form where you can enter it? And so it's, it's in the morning. The fog is when I thought about. But God overshadowed them with this cloud to make his glory known. And... 
then it, it scared them. It scared the disciples because they were afraid as they entered the cloud. As they entered the cloud, the glory of Christ transformed their vision to focus on him, but it also transformed their position to move them from a place of comfort and greatness to a place of uncomfortable areas. Like, so Peter, John, James, they see Jesus in his glorious nature. They see Moses and Elijah, which are two huge pillars in the faith. Like, they're two amazing men in the Christian faith. But God said, we're not staying here. The glory of Jesus transformed their position and said, we're going into this cloud, right? So they entered the cloud even though they were afraid. And I began to think about this in our life. So the glory of Christ transforming our position in our life. Now this is completely different than the way that American church has been taught. We believe We've been taught that we should be comfortable, we should be out reaching people, but we shouldn't be the crazy, crazy people in the church, right? But I'm saying when the glory of Christ transforms you, you may be comfortable, but you'll be comfortable in Him. I'm not saying that you'll be comfortable in the position in the hot church, you'll be comfortable in the seat that you're sitting in, but you'll be comfortable in His presence, in His glory, because it's his glory that transforms us and moves us to those areas so that others, other people can have their vision transformed. So that other people can experience his love and his mercy. And so it was, it was really amazing to me that this cloud, which the disciples were so afraid of, they entered. And the glory of Christ transformed their position. He moved them there. And then we move on to verse 35. And God speaks and it says, A voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. So like, this is amazing. God meets them in, their, in the place of uncomfort. God meets them in a place where they're not ready, they're not excited to be in, they're fearful, they're terrified, as other manuscripts say. So, what does God do? He speaks to them. He shares with them and he says, this is my son, my chosen one. Like, it is amazing because God shows that in his glory, and in his mercy, Christ, Jesus, is the one for us. He is the one authority in us. And this is where we see that the glory of Christ transforms our view of authority. Because although Peter, John, and James experienced the, the, the transfiguration of Christ, and they saw Moses and Elijah speaking, God wanted them to be aware that it wasn't those two pillars in the faith that they were to be listening to. It wasn't just those two men that they should be focused on. It wasn't even the combination of the three. But he said that Jesus, my son, my chosen one, is who you should listen to. And so right now we're in a, a very interesting state in our nation, right? So we've got all this political stuff going on. 
I'm not a big fan, but this is how it goes. Every four years, we've got all this political stuff and voting for presidency. And so I've heard it said so many times, if this person, if Hillary's the president, I'm moving to Canada. Or if Donald Trump's the president, the whole world's going down the drains in the handbasket, all this stuff. And I'm like, really, guys? And what, what's really killed me is I've seen so many Christians, so many Christians focus on this. They're like, they're like man, if this happens, we're in trouble. We're going to be so messed up. And it really bugs me. It really aggravates me. Because I'm like, where's your faith? Like, and, and I have to be careful because I don't want it to come across like I'm being super judgmental. Because I fail at this too just in different areas, but I'm like, how can you sit there and say, who is, who, who's going to make this country be great, or who's going to make this country be worse? We're not in control of that, but we serve a God who should be sitting in the place of authority that is in control of that. He should be sitting in, in place of authority over our life, over every aspect of our life, over our vision, over our position, the glory of Christ transformed our view of authority because he made me realize, look, Adam, you may not deal with this, but when tough times come, who do you call on? So I, I begin to think, and like a lot of people, the first reaction is when tough times come, you, you try to make it work on your own. You try to do so well by yourself. But if all else fails, man, just pray, right? Like that's, that's what I've heard so much even in the church. Like when all else fails, pray. Well, what about when all, when all else is going right? Like, should I not pray then too? And so God really spoke to me and said, Adam, you better check your view of authority too. And I was like, okay. And I realized that when stuff's going wrong, I have to be, the, I have to be first intentional to place God in that position of authority and recognize that it's his glory, of the glory of Christ that transforms me, that transforms my vision, my position, and it places him in a place of authority so that I can go out and live my life. And so the big idea for today is that the glory of Christ transforms every aspect of our life. And so like we looked at just three that come from this passage, but have you noticed that your vision affects your position and the one who you place in authority over all of that can change the direction? So my, my question was, all right, Adam, how are you going to be transformed by the glory of Christ? How are you allowing the glory of Christ to transform you? And I realized that I have to be more intentional about my vision. I have to be more intentional about seeking who God wants me to speak with and who God wants me to share with and how I'm supposed to be that light to show the glory of God to other people. And then I have to think about how, how God is moving me, how God is transforming my position to move me to places that I'm able to reach others. I was able to experience this last night at supper. It was really fun. Well, my parents and I went out to Waterburger in uh, Mount Pleasant and we're sitting there, and this lady's being really loud, yelling out all the numbers. And so, like, I'm having fun. She's like, 700, and I'm like, 700? Just, like, cracking people up. Just We know people there, and it's really aggravating everybody. But uh, so 
Christ really had, had been working on me about seeking him, seeking his vision, and allowing his glory to transform me this week. And so we're sitting there talking, and I've got a tattoo on my chest, and I was wearing a V-neck shirt, and the lady comes up, and she's like, so did that hurt? And I was like, eh, it's not too bad, you know, tattoos, they all hurt a little bit. And uh, so we got to talking about it, and somehow it came up, like, this is, my own, like, this is the only one right now, I want to get more. And she's like, well, what's your next one, if you don't mind me asking? And uh, so I, I began to tell her the story of my grandfather, who was diagnosed with lung cancer almost a year and a half ago, passed away back in October. But when God, when God had, was dealing with me through that whole situation, he said, look, to me be the glory. Him speaking, of course. So, like, my thought is, to God be the glory. And I got to sit there and tell that woman last night, like, my next tattoo is planning on being the words, to God be the glory, so that no matter what situation I'm going through, his glory, the glory of Christ will be shown to others so that I can remember that, so I can remember to share. And see, Christ had transformed my position so that I could go share that with that woman last night. And it was really awesome. But if, but if the glory of Christ had not transformed my view of authority, recognizing that he needs to be the number one place in my life, I might not would have shared that. I might would have just sat back and said, no, nah, no big deal. And so my question for you is, are you allowing the glory of Christ to transform you? Is there, have you been given a vision from God? Have you been given sight to see the people who need to be reached? Are you allowing the glory of Christ to reach you? <clears throat> are you allowing the glory of Christ to change your position, to move you from a place of comfort to a place of discomfort? to a place where he's called you to be so that you can be comfortable in him by serving him? Or what about your, your authority, your view of authority? Do you, do you sit back and say, what can I do to fix this? Or do you sit back and say, God, what do you want me to do? Because when we answer those questions with, God, how can I serve you? How can the glory of Christ transform me in every aspect of my life so that I can serve others and share your glory with everyone else? When that happens, we're able to reach a world, to reach a city, to reach loved ones that have never heard the gospel. And so I would like to, I want to challenge you. Allow the glory of Christ to transform you. Recognize that there are great pillars in the faith like Moses and Elijah and, I mean, all these different people that we look up to who have shared the gospel. But God's placed you here right now so that you're, you could be transformed in your vision, in your position, and in your view of authority so that you can understand who has called you to live and who has called you to move and breathe so that you can share the gospel with others. And so as we close I want you to be thinking about this. Think, think about your view of authority, your position, your vision. Has it been transformed by the glory of Christ? And so we're going to pray right now, and Phil's going to come up and lead a song for us. But if, with it, I want you guys to close your eyes, bow your heads, and if someone out there doesn't know the glory of Christ or doesn't know hasn't experienced that change, that, that new makeup, that new creation to, to be 
God's child to be transformed by him. I want to give you that opportunity because there's no greater opportunity than now because there's no, great, there's no opportunity promised in the later. So if you, if you haven't experienced this and you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior and you haven't allowed his glory to transform you, I just ask that you would, you would pray something to God saying, God, I need you. I need you to move in my life to transform me, to transform my vision, to transform my position, to transform my view of authority so that I can know you, so that I can share this life with you and be your child. You see, the sin that we have, it separates us from God. But because Christ came, we experience the relationship with him. We're able to experience the love that he has for us. So God, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for the opportunity to just, for me to just be able to share this message of hope and about the glory, glorious nature of you. God, I ask that you would just reach the hearts and touch the people and let them know the love that you have for them. And I pray that you, you transform them the way you've transformed me this week that you would, you would allow everyone to experience your transformation through the glorious nature of you. And it's in your precious and holy name I pray. Amen.